Grab some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Another great week being with you all on the Frontier Freedom Hour. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Salem Media Network. And we here taking on issues facing the Western United States from a Christian conservative perspective. We're thankful we're not getting all the government we're paying for. A little thanks to Michael Geronimo Arpaio running the boards for us. Jeff Hunt here, the chief wagon boss. And on the show, we have Tom Copeland, who's the director of research at the Centennial Institute. We're going to be covering the debates that took place this week. Because, yes, there were two. Donald Trump not at the general Republican debate himself, deciding to take a step back to not be there, instead doing Tucker Carlson. And it was fascinating. I hope you watched it. I get really excited about this because I, I used to work in politics. I worked on presidential campaigns. And I remember this time I was working for Rick Santorum, 2012, the big debate. And it was Romney and Ron Paul and Rick Santorum. And then there were some other candidates there. I think Mike Huckabee might have been. Or maybe he was 2008. But uh, – the excitement of the stage, the energy, can my candidate rise to the top in the midst of this challenge and, and really stand out and have some, some great moments? You saw that on the debates as well. Vivek Ranswamy and Chris Christie, man, they went after it. And then Nikki Haley jumped in, went after Vivek too. It's very clear that Vivek was kind of – and we'll get into this because it, it just it, – it came across as – Kind of the older generation trying to beat up on the younger generation. That's what it felt like to me when they were beating up on Vivek. But we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the Donald Trump interview with Tucker Carlson and how that was just a totally different conversation, right? They didn't even get into, like, issues. The prime issue that came through on that was government corruption and whether or not Donald Trump is going to be assassinated. I mean, Tucker Carlson asked that outright. Is Donald Trump going to be assassinated to his face? And he laid out this kind of trajectory. So we're going to talk about that. But it's very important. I want to lay out and make sure everybody knows that we're not in the business of getting anybody elected. This show is sponsored by Colorado Christian University, the Centennial Institute. We work on ideas. We work on public policy. We're not in the business of getting anybody elected. We don't spend a dime, a penny, nothing. To make that happen, we like the free exchange of ideas. We want to debate all that stuff. In my personal life, I was a campaign guy, worked on both Santorum and Romney's presidential campaigns. And so you may see a little bit of my personality, my own personal biases come out. But as far as the institution goes, purely neutral. I hope everybody understands that. All right. So, Tom, you watch the debate. Let's start first with the actual Fox News debate. Uh, you had a whole host of candidates up there, some that shouldn't have been there, in my opinion. The North Dakota governor uh, never even heard of the guy, and they kept Larry Elder off. All right, so we hosted Larry Elder at the Western Conservative Summit. He did fantastic, finished third in our poll, and he didn't get a spot on the stage. 
That was kind of amazing to me. But uh, give me your just initial analysis of how it went last night. Did you enjoy watching the debate? Are you a campaign guy like that? I was not a campaign guy. I was more of a policy guy. So I was more interested in what folks did once they were in office rather than getting in there. But I thought in some ways the debate really didn't prove anything except nobody is ready to dethrone Trump. Uh, <laughs> it's not just the fact of his being ahead by 40 points, but you know, most of the policy, policy positions were largely in line with Trump when they were asked directly about, you know, would they pardon Trump? Would they, uh, you know, what would they what would they do with him? Uh, you know, who would support him as the candidate, even if he's been convicted of a crime? And they all danced around it because they know they can't afford to, uh, to, to you know, to make Trump supporters unhappy in all the primary states. So it really didn't accomplish very much. There's some some horse race stuff. You know, did Vivek pull ahead? Did uh, you know? Did DeSantis fall behind somehow? Are other horses dead in the water? I'm mixing metaphors there. Um, <laughs> you know, f- f- fading to last like uh, like Hutchinson and Bergam and so on. Um, so in a lot of ways, it didn't prove much. And I, I saw a piece this morning with Roger Kimball in the Spectator saying, you know what, the the televised debate is dead. Hmm. Um, it's hmm. not really doing anything given you know given today's media world and so on given Trump's use of Twitter, both in 2016 and then uh, this week, uh, you know, uh, these televised debates don't really tell us that much about the candidates, except whether they can stand toe to toe and argue over each other. Yeah, there's a there's an entertainment component, you know, and it's always been that way. It's been fun. I remember working uh, in for the Romney campaign here in Colorado when we had the very first presidential debate where it was Romney versus Obama. And then um, I was backstage with the campaign, got to see all the energy and the excitement, um, the, the teams getting ready and, and uh, even creating the little green room for Mitt. I was part of the campaign staff that did that. And then my job afterwards was to go with uh, Pat Buchanan's daughter. I'm forgetting her name now. Uh, but it, it, I, I held a sign for her. And then the media would kind of jump and, you know, and she would do the whole defense of how great Romney was during the debate. And he actually did really good in that debate. It was the one where he kind of faded after those, but the first debate. But my job was to walk around holding a sign for uh, Buchanan and uh, media would run up and do the interviews with her. And so it was kind of a circus atmosphere and you enjoyed it. And when I watched yesterday, I get excited because it's the free exchange of ideas and my ideas are better than your ideas. And this is, uh, and they go after each other. And so for me, it's, it's entertainment. I did think that Mike Pence came across stronger than I've seen him before. And I think that was, he, he had to, he had to, right? Because the general base does not look at him favorably right now after what happened on January 6th. I think wherever you are on that issue, I think there's people that wish he had been stronger. And so he came across pretty bold during the debate. And and generally, everybody on all sides of him agreed with his actions on January 6th. Did you find that interesting? I did. I think actually I was surprised at how combative he was. For right, being Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. He he was taking a he was taking a page out of Trump's book, with I know complaining about you know Vivek being a rookie and this, this is no time for on the job training and he was much more a, a much more of a fighter uh, than I would have expected and maybe he has to do that because he he is Mr. Nice Guy, and you're right whether people agree with what he did on 
And I think the constitutional basis of his decision is correct. But, um, you know, he's got this this image of being Mr. Nice Guy and people want a fighter. And that was clear from uh, from, you know, from Trump in 2015 leading into 2016. People want a fighter. And so he was definitely imitating Trump in that. So you have all these candidates there. Those questions start to flow. They start to get a little bit back and forth. Was there anything policy oriented wise that kind of stood out to you that, you know, uh, here, I'll go this way. I was a big fan and defended initially the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I thought they were right for the nation to do. I think what strikes me as shifting, especially among conservatives who felt during the early 2000s that it was important to export freedom, liberty, democracy, those types of things, that that's not necessarily shared anymore. And the Ukraine issue was one where I go, wow, things have changed within the conservative movement. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we've had as a speaker before, a guy named Walter Russell Mead, uh, who's written a book called Special Providence, and he analyzes American foreign policy through the lens of of different traditions. Um, and one of them is, is the Jacksonian tradition. And it's, you know, Trump sort of took on that persona as people suggested that he was a populist like Jackson, but the Jacksonians, which are largely, um, you know, the, the red states and the red counties within blue states and so on, um, are willing to get involved in a war if it's absolutely necessary. And if it really protects American interest. You know, we're all in on World War II uh, and so on. We're all in on the first Persian Gulf War uh, because that seemed like a clear, a clear line in the sand that needed to be defended. But you're right. There's this, there's this tear now within the Republican Party between the Wilsonian dimension of we're going to go impose democracy on Iraq and Afghanistan versus Ukraine. There's this divide, right? It's, it's a democratic country. So many folks want to go to war to protect to protect Ukraine, and others look at it and say it's a corrupt country. They're sort of, I mean, recently democratic, but not super democratic. Should we be spending all of our treasure going over there? So I think that some of that conversation last night really split that out. I mean, Vivek, uh, Vivek was the one who was most openly opposed to continuing funding for Ukraine. The rest of the folks who are more Washington insiders uh, seem to be, I mean, otherwise, the, all, the other seven were all interested in maintaining support for Ukraine. Vivek, Vivek had that one comment towards Nikki Haley, you're going to do great on the boards of um, of uh, the, the, the defense companies, that type of thing. It was, uh, they got into it. Uh, the, and that's, I, I, I enjoy that. That's important for America to wrestle through these ideas and to do so publicly. The truth is we we really don't have places where we do this. We kind of lob personal attacks on social media, things like that. But the actual defense of ideas and principles and how they're going to affect our country, that's why I think these debates are really important to watch. Well, friends, you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. When we come back, I want to get in to the song Rich Men North of Richmond played at the very beginning. And on my radio show last week, we talked about how critical this was going to be and how important the song was to the upcoming election. So we'll be covering that. We'll cover the abortion issues and then the Donald Trump interview on Tucker Carlson, all on the Frontier Freedom Hour. 
This is Jeff Hunt. We'll be right back after these messages. 